following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Open our ears, Lord. My hope and my prayer as I was beginning to get this sermon ready is that more than just your ears would be open, uh, that today that your heart would be open as well. Because I think there's a promise. I know there's a promise in this message that we all really need to get a hold of, if you haven't gotten a hold of it yet. Open our ears, Lord. When God speaks to us, God speaks promises into our lives. God gets our attention. And when God speaks to us, it's not just something random. It's for a very, very specific reason. And sometimes God will show us his promises. Sometimes it's explicitly, explicitly. Sometimes it's implicitly. Sometimes he gives you a picture or something that he's painting a promise with. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Yesterday afternoon, we were coming home down Highway 90. Of course, we were going blump, 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 trying to see what was out in front of us. And off in the distance around Morgan City and Amelia, there was, there was some rain taking place. And I, I caught it first over about Franklin. I caught half of it. I said, man, there's, there's a rainbow starting to form. We saw just one little piece of it. But when we got to Bayou Vista, getting closer to the bridge, when we came up over the bridge, you could see both ends of that rainbow. One of them was on the other side of the Intercoastal Canal. One of them looked like it was over Lake Pelour. And, man, it was just reminding me, that is a promise from God. That is not something that indicates any kind of right movement or any kind of agenda from someone in our current culture. But that is a promise that was given to us by God thousands of years ago, that during the days of Noah, when he flooded and wiped out all the inhabitants of the earth except for Noah and his family. That was a promise from God. God said he would never do that again. He'll judge the earth one of these days, but it won't be through a flood. It'll be through fire instead. Sometimes God gives us promises in our lives uh, that we can bank on. Sometimes he gives us things that are, are clearly cut and dry. But I think throughout Scripture you can find these promises that are threaded in and out. Sometimes in pictures uh, of stories of people that were actually uh, there in the Bible. Uh, What we're going to look at today is a motif or a picture of the Lamb of God. Uh, We're going to start off with a promise that took place in the Old Testament. And we're going to connect it with today's Lord's Supper that we find that Jesus himself instituted later on in the New Testament. There was an old covenant that the Israelites were under. But when Jesus came along, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new covenant, a new promise. And for you to be able to remember that, he said, I want you to observe the Lord's Supper to be a reminder of that. Last week, we looked at Jeremiah and his analogy with the potter and the clay, how God wants to shape us and mold us and form us. But Jeremiah also speaks a certain promise that is found in chapter 31. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to use this as a springboard. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. Now, the saints play at noon, but I think the saints of God need to take care of business is what's going on right here, and that's the most important thing that is on my schedule for today. So uh, bear with me, and we'll move through this. Uh, But I want to make sure that I I get to you the message that God has given through this promise that we find. 
Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll speak to us through this message today. God, we thank you so much for the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know how else to say it, Lord God, but there is nothing more important to us today than knowing that your blood has paid the penalty for all of our sins and that all of our sins are washed away with nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to become the sinless spotless lamb of God who was slain on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago to say that our sin debt has been paid in full. And I thank you that we can come to your throne of grace knowing that we are under the blood. And I just pray for each and every person here, Lord God, that their lives will be covered, that they will be under that promise. And if there's anyone here that does not know you, that is not yet a part of your family, Lord God, I pray that today would be that day that that would happen. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. A new covenant I will make you. That word covenant can also be translated into the word testament. So here we have in Jeremiah, one of the Old Testament prophets who's under the old covenant. The laws that he's talking about are the laws given to Moses, the Ten Commandments. He says, these laws, I don't want them just to be written on tablets of stone. He says, I want this new covenant to make sure that my laws are written in your minds and in your hearts. There are some people that say that the Old Testament is not relevant these days. That's hogwash, baloney. Don't fall for it because there are some very important lessons in the Old Testament. And today we're going to parallel one of those with a teaching in the New Testament that lines right up with what we will observe in today's Lord's Supper when we have that. So Jeremiah is speaking here to the house of Israel. What does that have to do with us? Number one, we are engrafted to God's family, the Jewish heritage, the Hebrew nation, the Israelites. Whenever this new covenant came along, this new testament came here, we were imparted that same grace and that same love and that same mercy, and we were allowed to become a part of God's family. And while Jeremiah is speaking directly to the nation of Israel, God is speaking to us as his children and his family as well. So this promise that he's talking about, he says, you are currently under an old covenant, an old testament, an old promise. He said, but one of these days, I'm going to send someone who will fulfill a new promise for you. The old covenant said you had to make sacrifices on a regular basis. You had to adhere strictly to the law. The new covenant says, I want you to live with my grace. And to show that, I'm going to sacrifice one lamb one time to pay for your sin debts. So he talks about in this passage, 
uh, this picture that he's painting and the, the reference that he makes, he says, I want you to think about the old covenant that you were under. He says, I took the children of Israel by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. And the particular story that we're going to look at that parallels with that happened the night before God took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. It is called the Passover meal. Jews today still celebrate, still commemorate, still practice the Passover meal ritually once a year. But there are some elements in that Passover meal that still apply today to what we will observe in the Lord's Supper. The Old Testament, it was a shadow of things to come. So point number one, God's promises are foretold in the Old Testament. God sent his prophets to speak about the coming Messiah. He was not yet there. The children of Israel were constantly looking for their Savior, their Redeemer, their Messiah. But that promise would not be fulfilled until Jesus was born in the New Testament. So number one, God's promises are foretold. And this promise that we look at today in Exodus chapter 12, it's not the only place that it's found that. The story of Abraham and Isaac, as Abraham took his one and only son, Isaac, up on Mount Moriah. Isaac asked him, he said, uh, Father, he said, "I I see the fire, I see the wood, we have everything, but we don't have the sacrifice. And you remember what Abraham told him? He said, don't worry, God will provide for us a sacrifice. And that's exactly what happened. As Isaac lay on the altar... Abraham had the knife in his hand. He was fixing to make his one and only son a sacrifice. And there off in the distance, God had a ram hung up in a thicket that they used for the sacrifice. And that promise was fulfilled. And that was the picture that God was painting. One of these days, I'm going to provide for you a sacrifice for all of mankind. The story of Noah and the ark, it's not just about a family going on board a ship. It's a promise that everyone who will take refuge in what God provides, when God closes the door and seals it, they will be protected from God's wrath and God's judgment. That was a promise that God was giving as an illustration in that story. The story of Jonah, three days in the belly of the great fish, that was a picture that God was creating. And Jesus even referred to that. He said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. God was painting a picture through that story that all of those who will heed the warning, repent or you'll likewise perish. Forty days and yet Nineveh will be destroyed. But if you repent, God will relent of the disaster that is coming upon Nineveh. Those are pictures that God painted in the Old Testament. So these prophets were foretelling these promises that God gave you. you got options. You either obey and you suffer the... Uh, blessings that you benefit from the blessings of God or you disobey and you suffer the consequences. The New Testament tells of the promise being fulfilled, but it too leaves us with a promise as well, the blessed hope of the return that one day Jesus will come back to take those who are under his blood, whose sins have been forgiven. One of these promises are, are the shadows of things to come that was found in the Old Testament was in the new uh, the Passover meal that we're going to look at in just a moment. So not only were God's promises foretold, but as we turn to Exodus chapter 12, we see that God's promises are foreshadowed. 
The Old Testament is a shadow of things to come in the New Testament. The Old Testament was painting the picture, and the New Testament revealed what that picture actually was. So the single most important redemptive event in the early life of the Israelite nation is commemorated here in Exodus chapter 12. All of the plagues had already been fulfilled. God was giving Pharaoh and the Egyptians plenty of time to repent. God wanted his people to be set free, but Pharaoh would not allow them to escape because of his hardened heart. And plague after plague after plague came across Egypt. But God's people, the Israelites, were protected from those plagues. Now we are the night before the final plague, the death of the firstborn. The angel of death would pass through the land. But God said, if you want to be protected, if you want to be spared from this last plague, here is what you have to do. And the night before Pharaoh would finally release the Israelites, they commemorated and protected their family and their household through what happened at this first Passover. There were certain uh, criteria that had to be met to be protected from this final plague. In uh, chapter 12, we see, uh, beginning in verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb. Underscore that word right there. Take for himself a lamb. According to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. The first criteria that we see has to be met was a lamb was to be taken, and this was not going to be any ordinary lamb. It was going to be a lamb that was perfect. It was going to be a lamb that was spotless. It was going to be a lamb that was unblemished. And they were keep, going to keep it in their household for just a few days. And then the next thing to take place would occur. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Keep it in your household for four days. And then this would occur. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Not only would they take this lamb on the 10th day, hold it in their household for four days. They were going to sacrifice it then. And at twilight, the head of the household would take a razor-sharp knife and slit the throat of that lamb. And they would take the blood from that lamb and they would apply it to the doorpost of their house. Top and bottom, side and side, completely covering the entryway to their household. That way, everyone who entered into the house or everyone who was in the household would be under the protection of the blood of this lamb. Do you see the picture that's being painted here? Because there was something significant about this blood as the angel of death were to pass over all of the households in this area. Watch and see what happens. 
Take the, take the blood and apply it to the doorpost and on the lintel of the house. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw or boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. Not only should this lamb be perfect, unblemished, and spotless, but not a bone of its body were to be broken. You can see that later on in the chapter back in uh, verse 45, 46 is where it says that. But you shall take it and you shall roast the whole thing. You shall let none of it remain until morning. What remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And here's why the blood was so critical on this first Passover. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, underscore that phrase right there as well. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. There are three specific things that I want to point out about this first Passover. If you'll notice, it was taken generously. It wasn't just for the occupants of that household, but in verse 4 it says, If your neighbor can't provide a land for himself, you are to include them as well. Benevolence. Helping out those who cannot help themselves. Understanding what God's promises are, but also sharing that promise with someone else. Folks, do we reach out to people the way that we should? Do we have a concern for the lost in our community? Do we want to bring others in to God's family and let them experience the same grace and mercy that we are under? Do we want to tell them about the blood of Jesus Christ that covers them, protects them, and allows them to have forgiveness for their sins? But God says here, when you observe this first Passover, it is to be taken generally. In other words, invite others to join you. Use this experience to bring them into a relationship with the Lord. It's more than just a benevolent act that God is commanding here. It was a way to make sure that everyone experienced the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. I mentioned just a moment ago that what we observe here is known as an open communion. What does that mean? It means you do not necessarily have to be a member of First Baptist Church to partake in the Lord's Supper. But what we do ask is that you make sure that you are a member of God's family. You have been born again. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. Your sins have been forgiven. And then we invite you to join us because this is a time of fellowship and communion that we celebrate together. We commemorate Jesus giving his body, his life, and shedding his blood for our sins. So it's not just for members of First Baptist Church 
our congregation, our family, but it's for anyone here that knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that they belong to God's family. They are God's child, and they are under the blood. But when we observe the Lord's Supper in just a little while, this thought should be going through your mind, though. And as that plate is passed around, as the unleavened bread is passed around, as the cups of grape juice is being passed before you, I want this thought to be in your mind. Who else do I know that needs to be experiencing what I'm experiencing right now? Who else do I know that I can invite? Because every time we finish with the Lord's Supper, they bring those plates back, and I always look at those cups that are remaining. I look at those little wafers that are remaining, and that reminds me, God, there are still people out there that should be right here with us taking part in what we're taking into today. And that's what God is teaching through this first Passover that should have been done generously, not just for you and your household, but for your neighbor next to your house. If they don't know about it, if they're unaware of it, if they have not heard, you include them and allow them to partake with you as well. So why did God tell the Israelites to include others? Don't, don't miss this point. Don't miss this point right here. To take it generously, there was another reason for it. Because God is showing his care and his concern and his love for others. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God laid his life down so that others can become a part of God's family. Write down this verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. You hear me say it all the time. In this particular point right here, in this aspect of the first Passover, brings it out so clearly. God is not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering towards us. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And on that night, as the angel of death passed over, it was not God's, God didn't want anyone to pass away. Out of his love and his mercy, he says, I don't want anyone to perish. I'm going to make a provision, but you have to abide by the principles that I'm teaching you here in this first Passover. If I don't see the blood, I'll know that you don't want any part of what I have to offer you. But he said, when I see the blood, and only the blood, I will know that you're serious about your relationship with me. And he says, I will have mercy upon you and I will not cause you or any one of your family to perish. Not only should it be taken generously, but the first Passover, God said it was to be taken expectantly. <laughs> I just kind of suckered you in with my three main points. I got three sub points today. <laughs> Take it generously, include your neighbors, but also take it expectantly. Did you see what he said in uh, verse 11? He says, when you take it, you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, with sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Be ready to go. God says, I'm going to deliver you. And as soon as this first Passover meal is partaken, when the angel of death sweeps through the land and takes the firstborn of the family that aren't under the blood, he says, then I will deliver you. Be ready to go. Because as soon as that takes place, we're out of here. I'm going to redeem you. 
I'm going to set you free. I'm going to take you out of Egypt. Just like Jeremiah said, God took them by the hand and he led them out of the land of Egypt. Here's a thought that I want you to consider as well. As that plate is passing by, not only should you be thinking, who can I include in this? But also think about this. This could be the very last supper that we observe on this side of eternity. Take it expectantly, knowing that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. You may get your wafer of bread and then, bam, the rapture takes place. You don't get the second part of it. But this may be very well the last time that we have the Lord's Supper together on this side of eternity. Because just as we learned in, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, at a moment when you think not, Jesus is going to return and the church is going to be raptured out of here. Just like the children of Israel, God said, you be ready to go. Keep your sandals on your feet, your belt on, get your walking stick ready. Because in just a moment, I'm going to lead you out of slavery into freedom. You will no longer be in Egypt, but you will be headed towards the promised land. So you take it expectantly as well. Not only do you take it generously and expectantly, but you also take it obediently. The key to this promise, the key to this whole passage that we just read in Exodus happens in verse 13. God says, when I see the blood, I'll know that you've obeyed exactly what I told you to do to prepare yourself for this event. If you have obediently taken the right steps, and I'm going to look at your door, I'm going to see on the doorpost that the blood has been applied And everyone in your household is going to be protected. And my mercy will cover you. My wrath will not be poured out upon you. And you will not have to face the judgment that is coming to everyone else. Because if you flip that around, what happens when he didn't see the blood? The firstborn of that household would immediately die. So as you take this Lord's Supper here in just a moment... When that grape juice comes around, you think to yourself, is my life covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is my household covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have my sins been washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because God says explicitly here, when I see the blood and nothing but the blood, I'll know that you've been obedient. Write these verses down. 1 John 1, 7. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all of our sins. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The church of God, which He bought with His own blood. Colossians 1, 20. He made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hebrews 9.22 says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-19 through 19 says we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And Revelation 12, verse 11 says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. 
And when God saw the blood on the doorpost of the house, that was the testimony for that family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And here is a sign of that. You will see the blood. We have done exactly what you told us to do. And I want myself, my household, my family, my neighbors, everybody that I can get in here, I want them to be covered with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because there is nothing else that will set you free from your sins, from your bondage, from your addiction, from anything that you are struggling with but the blood of Jesus Christ. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over and you won't have to suffer the punishment. We've been singing a few kids' songs here lately to go along with the sermons. But I I want you to join me in one song. It's a familiar song. We sang about the blood in, in, in our worship session just a moment ago. But here's one that you should be very, very familiar with. And as this grape juice, this part of our Lord's Supper passes by, I want you to be singing this in your heart. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? People, if you are basing your salvation on anything else, if you're basing your salvation on your church attendance, your Sunday school attendance, your grandma's church attendance, your mama and your daddy's church attendance, your good works, you're wrong. Because only the blood of Jesus Christ washes us clean of our sin and sets us free. Through his shed blood, he paid the penalty for our sins. And in that first Passover, sin, disobedience, what was the penalty for it? Death. And even today, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is through his shed blood and only his shed blood. And this first Passover paints the picture that we should take it generously, we should take it expectantly, and we should be taking it obediently. Let's move to the New Testament now. That's the promise that God painted in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There were several other places that relate to this, but the Apostle Paul explains the institution of the Lord's Supper. We observe the Lord's Supper because there are two ordinances that the Lord Jesus Christ himself told us to uphold. One of them is the Lord's Supper, the other is baptism. He said, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And on the night before Jesus died, he finished a Passover meal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this. And it says, After the Passover meal was finished, He then moved on to partake in the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And he says, I'm going to teach you something that I want you to commemorate. So the next thing that we need to see, not only are God's promises foretold, not only are God's promises foreshadowed, but also God's promises are fulfilled. This new covenant in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 We see the Apostle Paul outlining it beginning in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup of the new covenant is my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this promise and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood. But let a man examine himself. Underscore those words right there because in just a moment when we have our invitation time, before we observe the Lord's Supper, that's what I want you to do. Examine yourself. Is there anyone I'm at odds with right now? Is there any underlying sin that I haven't yet confessed to the Lord? Is there something I'm struggling with? Am I worthy to be drinking and eating and partaking? Because verse 29 gives a crystal clear warning. It says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. But here in the New Testament, this promise that God painted in the Passover meal was fulfilled. And the Apostle Paul also records in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that Jesus is our Passover lamb that has been sacrificed. Folks, look. When Jesus Christ came into this earth, before he was even born, even when he was in his mother's womb, that promise was fulfilled. Nobody recognized it better than John the Baptist. John the Baptist, when he was still in his mother Elizabeth's womb, they met Mary while Jesus was still in Mary's womb. And as Mary began to tell the news about the coming Messiah, what was going on, who she was about to give birth with, Elizabeth said that the babe leapt in her womb when he heard the news of the arrival of Jesus. Folks, don't tell me that that's just a blob of cells in a mother's womb. Don't tell me that that's not a live, breathing, living human being inside of that womb because... Little blobs of cells don't show emotion like that. But John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb when he heard the news about Jesus coming. And then as John the Baptist was an adult, he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And there he saw Jesus off in the distance. And this is when he proclaimed that this promise had been fulfilled because off in the distance he saw Jesus. And John the Baptist stopped what he was doing. He said, look, For thousands of years we've heard about it. The prophets spoke about it. God illustrated it. He gave us promises after promises that a Messiah was coming. That he would send a lamb to die for our sins. And there he is. There he is. He says, there is Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's what I want to proclaim to you today. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not under the blood. If you haven't made a public profession of faith, then the blood has not been applied to your sin debt. 
You must reach a point in your life to where Jesus is not only your Savior, but your Lord and your Master. Meaning that He has control of your life. Meaning that you have removed yourself off the throne of your life and you have put Jesus on the throne as your Lord and Savior and Master. Because one of these days there's going to be a separation and it's only going to be those whose the lives that the blood has been applied that will be saved and taken from this earth. Every head bowed and every eye closed. During this time of observing the Lord's Supper, as the deacons begin to make their way to the front to help me out with this, as you partake in the Lord's Supper, let it be a time of reflection. Let it be a time of remembrance. Let it be a time of realization and repentance. And as Nancy makes her way to the piano... I want you to observe your own heart. I want you to reflect on what you have just heard in this message. I want you to reflect on what you have heard during these songs. They were all selected for a specific purpose. So I'm here to ask you this today. Has the blood of Jesus Christ been applied to your life? Do you know for sure that you are a child of God and that your sins have been forgiven? If that has not happened in your life yet, this time of invitation is for you. As Christians around this building are praying, the altars are open, the music begins, the time for you to respond is now. Heavenly Father, I pray for decisions to be made in this sanctuary. I pray, Lord God, that your blood would cleanse this entire place. That if there's not a person here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that the blood would be applied to their lives. I pray that you would examine our hearts and cause us to reflect on what we've heard, Lord God, and help us to be in good standings with you. Not just now, but each and every day of our life. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.